Hello and welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee and it's the summer. Well, it's almost the end of the summer if you can believe it. It's been flying by. I've been working quite a bit. It's probably why you haven't heard Back in My Play in a while. And it's Sunday afternoon. I was sitting at my computer and I'm like, oh man, like I'm putting together stuff for the fall for Back in My Play, doing my best. And I've been chatting with John Lineman through email about some of that stuff. And John just replied to my email really quickly. Maybe he's hanging out and he wouldn't mind jumping on Skype, just doing a little warm up, talking about some retro game topics, talking about video games in general. Uh, and it's always a pleasure just to hang out and talk with John Lenneman of Digital Foundry and, of course, Digital Foundry Retro, the incredible series you can go and check out on YouTube. Wow, that is an epic introduction right there. Dude, like I'm telling you, <laughs> you you're, you're putting out tons and tons. I don't know how... You must just have some serious like Adobe Premiere ninja skills that allow you to get this stuff done because I don't think as someone that works in Adobe Premiere and does a lot of that stuff, I don't think a lot of like the regular day-to-day viewers understand how much time and effort goes into capturing that video. Like that's just step one. Then you there's oh, so yeah. much that goes into editing editing and layers and transitions and, and all the effects that you gotta put in there to make it so you can do the videos that you do. Yeah, exactly. It's uh it is a lot of work, but I've gotten, you know, I do it so much, just kind of get used to it. And uh some videos are more rote. Some of them I go out of my way to do something special. Just depends on the topic usually. Yeah, I've, I I so. think I've I might have completely regressed my premiere skills because with like the stuff that I do with the like for shorter videos, I've turned to per, uh, Final Cut Pro uh, uh-huh. <laughs> more just because I'm on a Mac and I haven't got like that new eight core MacBook Pro, which basically Ooh. just like f- flies through anything in Premiere. So just from a an ease of use and a, like very fast color corrections, like I have these like things called slide boards in my gym that are like perfect white balancing <laughs> for, oh, yeah. for any video that I do. So, um, yeah, anyways, that's, we don't need to talk about video editing software because I'm sure folks are like, come on, let's talk about some retro games. And, uh, I appreciate the audience. The audience has been very much on me on Twitter. I do get an email like probably once a week asking, Hey, where's the podcast? You know, when's it going to come back? Is it dead? People that find it, listen to a hundred episodes or a hundred, I guess it's like 130 lot, episodes yeah. and like, wait, what happened? <laughs> What's going on? I get comments on the hey, website I, and stuff. I still remember when I first moved to Europe here, I listened to a lot of back in my play, Just, you know, learning the neighborhoods, walking around, yeah. like, getting my feet down. I was like, that was always kind of like comfort food, if you will. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's always tough because I, I, I totally understand like there's, there's other folks content that I rely on on a weekly basis to walk my dog or to clean around the house and do whatever. So I totally understand. And I appreciate, uh, while like I can look at it and be like, Oh, come on. Like, it's not like, you know, I'm not charging for it or something. Like it's great if we can do it. Um, but I understand folks rely on it and, and they want more of it. And that's, um, that's a really, that's a really great honor to be in a position where people are like, we really like something that you do. 
please make more of it. Um, and I know you must feel the same when people are like, oh man, what's the next like DF retro video? Like, can you cover this game? Can you cover this series? And like, sometimes like, yeah, I'm trying. I only have so much time though. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so the, I mean, you've been really busy with, with DF retro. I mean, doing again, uh, again, pretty much at least one video a, a week, it seems like covering, uh, so many different topics. I, I know also going back to, um, I mean, I think I still continue to just watch like some old videos. Like you, I know you covered the re-releases of, of doom. Doom got a kind of a stealth release, doom one, two, and three oh, on yes. switch PS four and Xbox one, which had some controversies and, and still to, and, you know, we're recording this on August 11th, which at this point they still have not fixed some of the weird things that are going on graphically and uh even with the audio of of doom uh, it seems like doom one and two are, they're not perfect ports of of those games not what you would expect sadly not there's a lot of issues with those ports but you know i mean they're still playable it's still doom uh, it's just like you know the community's kind of done a better job like if you look at homebrew on the switch yeah uh, there's been some better ports of of doom done in that sense so you know <laughs> a little disappointing and it kind of like added insult to injury when people were, you know, greeted with a Bethesda, you know, account sign in screen or like trying to get emails and oh, stuff like man. that. And yeah, uh, disconnecting if you weren't connected to the Internet, you'd get these error messages every every 10 seconds. Again, if, if folks haven't purchased those games yet and you're thinking about purchasing them, um, go watch John's video first, but maybe even. Um, maybe even cooler, what these releases have done, it's definitely gotten people to take another look. I mean, the BFG edition of Doom 3 is is relatively you know old at this point, but I feel like your video and a lot of people talking about Doom 3 again and having the ease of of play and, and portability on the on the switch has gotten people to be like, yeah, maybe we should take another look at, at Doom 3. And people seem to be like, you know, pretty high on it. Yeah, man. I mean, just revisiting myself, it's a game I've always loved and kind of, I hate to say it, I've had to kind of defend it, if you will. Yeah. Because it does, it does kind of have a little bit of a bad reputation now. And I understand. It's, it's a, it was a very different sort of game, but it's its own thing. And I think it still takes a lot of the key elements from Doom, like large levels to explore and the key card system and just, you know, enough freedom in terms of how you approach uh, playing through the game that it does have that, but obviously it went for straight horror. Yeah. Uh, it was a very dark game and yeah, there was plenty of monster closets and the like. I mean, that's all there as well, but you know, overall I still think it's a really meaty game with a huge campaign. I mean, it's long, yeah, uh, way longer than most shooters you, you might play now. Uh, and it's still manages to look really good somehow. Uh, their art direction is stunning. Yeah, it's it's one of the games that I have written down for potentially for the for the for the fall. Like I'm still I'm still crossing my fingers on a Doom 64 port. I know, you know, I think it was Peggy uh. rated the games and on on PS4 and on on PC, but you know, it's probably going to be coming for coming out for for everything if somehow Bethesda and whoever owns Midway now has figured out the the rights for all. And it was like, I think, yeah, it was Williams Midway that did that Doom 64, I think. Was yeah, it, but it was also, I think it was people that had worked in the mapping community on Doom back in the day. Wow. Doing like 
map packs and such. I believe that some of them were involved in this. I can't remember. I need to check out what I've looked at before, but it, it was kind of a very special project at the time, but it was overlooked mm-hmm. on N64 because it was still like just considered doom. Yeah. Whereas well, if you were like, oh, it's not the new hotness anymore, but now you look at it and it's one of the most polished games in the system. Yeah, maybe, maybe just needs like more of a. I remember playing it, um, even just probably five years ago, and thinking, I wish like I could make it brighter. <laughs> it's just really, it's just oh, it's so dark. It's it's so so dark. But um, it's made for CRTs. Let's be honest, I right? Mean, or, that's where it plays best. I mean, now it's like hopefully you got a nice OLED, get those you oh, know, yeah. pure blacks, and oh, imagine those look good there too. Doom 64 HD on a nice, so I, I just, I just bought a new TV this past week there. Like, oh, well, the OLEDs here in the States are like, I guess there, there, there must be like another version. Uh, I guess the 2019 is already out. So the 2018s are been pretty, pretty low priced and Dell Fire had sale. a, oh, they're like Dell had a 65 inch. It was a B, it was the B8, I think. Yeah. Um, that was fifteen hundred bucks with a three hundred dollar gift card. Uh, plus, it was ten percent off on top of that. So I think for thirteen hundred bucks, I got a sixty five inch OLED with a three hundred dollar gift card. So it's like almost a thousand bucks for that. Is a tremendous deal. It's just amazing <laughs> how these prices are going down. One day we will all have pure blacks on our <laughs> in our living room, and we'll be able to play all these. I mean, especially like for you, I know you've mentioned in the past is just a a great option for playing retro games like you know an oled is kind of the best current probably the best current uh panel that people could be could be using for that type of play yeah if you're playing on a modern screen they work fairly well i will say so yeah that's good stuff well we will maybe circle back to to doom 3 at at some point i just i just finished resident evil 4 which was kind of the main reason why we started chatting and 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 if everything works out well that would be most likely the next episode that that folks here i hate to you know talk about stuff that hasn't been done yet but um doom 3 is definitely up there because i remember like doom 3 came out when i was, was the summer before i went to college for my freshman year and we got i was working at best buy we got it in the the computer department at Best Buy. I got a copy in, and we basically had a kiosk that was just to show off Doom Three on computers and uh, like just the graphical capabilities. And it was it was right before Half Life Two came out, so this was like now the new graphical powerhouse. And when I played it, it just it scared the crap out of me. It was just such a frightening <laughs> game at that time. I just wonder if I can go back. Maybe having a flashlight at all times will help. But uh, I guess. We'll see, but thumbs up on the Switch version. I mean, you seem like you said there was a little yeah. bit of slowdown, and but you know, it, it seems like it does a pretty good job. Yeah, absolutely. And um, well, actually, we'll we'll have something to say about the slowdown soon. I think uh, we did some interesting tests recently. I don't want to okay. spoil that yet, but Richard did some cool stuff here. That Fantastic. Kind of shows how you can fix that. So there oh. is a way to fix that. Awesome. Awesome. Um. Well, I mean, since we're talking about the Switch, maybe we'll hit on that for for a second because um, in a, about a month, a little bit over a month, there will be the Switch Lite that will be coming out. Obviously, a uh, a well rumored, more portable version of the Switch that does not, it, it, you know, lack some functionality, but it's really for portable play, and that's really 
about it. And that's awesome. It allows them to lower the price by a hundred bucks. And along with it also came, and I have not found this in a store yet. I have been, whenever I was near a Best Buy or a Target in the last week, I was swinging by and seeing if they had them in, but it looks like they have, um, you know, kind of slightly updated the current Nintendo Switch hardware that allows it to have about 40% batter, uh, better battery life. They, um, yep, that's right. The SOC is updated. I mean, at some point they're going to have to, they're probably just even having trouble getting the older, um, Tegra chips. So updated that's, up. Yeah, that's possible. But like, and, and again, like one of the things that folks are really hoping for is that maybe it would have slightly better performance. Think of like, you know, again, going back to a video that, that you guys did looking at the Xbox one S, which didn't necessarily advertise better performance, but because the internals were slightly better, you could exactly. sometimes just things would run a little bit better, even though they couldn't necessarily advertise it. But it looks like that might not be the case so far with that, uh, that updated switch. Well, we're going to have to see. I've heard some suggestions that it might actually improve performance a little bit. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure, though. That's the thing. So uh, we actually have one of those switches coming soon. Oh, fantastic. Well, then um, you so, guys are going to be the ones to you know do the test and do it the right way. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, if all goes well, that switch should arrive tomorrow, I think. So, yeah, we'll be putting that through its paces, seeing what's different about it, you know, try to figure out if you do actually get improved performance. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I can understand why Nintendo might go more for battery life though. Cause, um, you know, battery life's okay on the switch, but <laughs> uh, depending on the game you're playing, <laughs> you can run into some issues. I think so. Gone are the days are of, you know, remember the, not even the original game boy, but the game boy pocket and even the game boy advance where, you could get like obviously those weren't backlit screens, um, but you could even go to the go to the SP uh, and the second version of the SP that you know had a rechargeable battery or the even better the DS Lite um, that would give you like twelve hours of battery and oh yeah like you could literally go out all day. It's like you know with laptops today, pretty much if you get a decent laptop, it should have you know quote unquote all day battery life within within reason and I, I i that's the thing i'm most excited about is like i was playing through resident evil 4 and when i'm playing through it since i'm you know not a monster i'm gonna play it with full brightness on because why wouldn't you <laughs> and yeah you know i would go i'd play for like an hour and i'd be down to like 50 percent. like i could barely get two hours of resident evil 4 on my switch Ooh. before the battery died so I think it's going to be a welcomed improvement. And even for me, you know, reselling my old switch and, and getting a, a slightly better piece of uh, hardware theoretically, and looks like the screens might be slightly different for better or worse, but it really seems like mostly better. Um, it's just tough though, because I feel like, have you run into this issue with, with hardware? You know, sometimes you end up having to, it's like the lottery. You don't know if you're going to get a good screen or get, you know, in this case, good joy cons or something like that. Yeah, but it's, I know exactly what you mean. And it's that kind of thing is pretty frustrating. I think happened with, with the, the 3ds too, right? Remember 3ds yeah. had the T the TF and the IPS panels. Exactly. And it seems like that's also been sort of a situation with this new revision where again, with the revisions, right there, it's not just about making them better. It's usually to make them like 
cheaper to produce. Uh, so they can go on sale and eventually lower the price. But, um, that's the only thing I'm worried about is, you know, maybe it would be make more sense to hang on to my like launch one, which I is great. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the battery is not great. I love the screen. I'm let me ask you this as someone that yeah. does like calibration and stuff, how do you feel about on like a TV? I guess these new screens on the, the new switch are warmer. Um, mm, which, yeah. uh, Oh, go ahead. I kind of do. There's a limit to that. So it is true that traditionally you want to calibrate towards the warmer spectrum that, you know, you're trying to match a standard with that. And the idea is that uh, when you calibrate a TV, you're typically calibrating for film content. Right. which is also typically created specifically with a certain display type in mind, or at least, you know, it's calibrated to a certain standard. So you want to match that on your television mm -hmm. uh, with games though. I find that it's more variable uh, in terms of what works sometimes warm or the movie mode you might want to use for watching films ends up looking a little bit too uh, reddish yeah. for a lot of games. This just depends like, you know, a game with bright, vibrant colors might actually not look that great using such a mode. So it's, it's very mixed and it, I just don't think that all games are calibrated in the same way. And you know, there's just, there's a lot of variation. I've even heard stories of uh, developers trying to implement HDR and they have like a low end HDR screen in the office and that's what they're using as their baseline. And so mm. it ends up coming out and the HDR implementation isn't quite what it could be uh, just because they didn't even have the monitor reference there to really tune it to their liking and wow you know that kind of stuff is something you need to think about and it's different than uh making a movie yeah that's a that's a really good point so that's some of the the feedback that i've heard is like oh well it's warmer so that's you know how screens are supposed to be calibrated uh anyways but it's not like you're watching um what's the is it uh specter the the james bond movie that like everyone oh yeah uses to to like you know look at new tvs and stuff for for black levels and and hdr and all that stuff and it's like it's beautiful yeah it's yeah it's great but um you know the switch where basically it's like a 720p panel that we're just trying to play video games on and and have them look relatively good which they usually do i mean it's it's probably a very small deal but it's just always I always found that fascinating when you looked at console revisions, you know, a lot of times when we look back, like the P the original PS one was like the one that you wanted to have. If, as long as the disc drive wasn't a piece of garbage, um, for just video output options. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. Had those RCA outputs on the back. And like, that's what audio files would say. It's the best CD player ever made. Um, Although to be fair, I mean, in that original <laughs> PlayStation case, you know, having composite video isn't even that useful. I mean, those systems <laughs> right. do support RGB video natively and you can use an RGB cable with them. Although the Japanese launch units are very early units actually also had an S video port in addition to the composite. Oh, ports. no way. So they actually had that. And then for the U S market, it was composite with the RCA jacks. And oh, then eventually they just, they just ditched that entirely. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting time in that sense. Well, I mean, I think you can look at hardware revisions and God, we could talk about hardware revisions forever, but like even the, especially like versus the, like the Japanese revision versus the US revision, like you look at the NES. Oh, awesome. It yeah. has composite out. Great. The original Famicom, 
did not have it. Then the AV Famicom has the same uh, multi-out that like the Super Nintendo had, the N64, the GameCube. So you can just hook up your you know cable that like everyone had and get really good outputs where the revision here in the States for that um, that mini NES uh, only had uh, uh, RF out. So, yeah. and, and it was just, you know, it's kind of weird throughout the years. And like, even of course the 360, we wanted the revised 360s because it didn't sound like a jet engine and hopefully we didn't red ring. Um, whereas as the same time, like you, you might look at, you know, certain pieces of hardware, like the Dreamcast, like you want a rev zero Dreamcast with like the metal heatsink because it was less likely to die. But also like, you know, it's always, always a mess. We can't just have one thing. That's the best. Unfortunately, it would be way easier that way, I guess, but maybe not as fun to track them down. That is true. What's your favorite hardware revision of all time? Like the the second the second or third version that you feel like Oh man, like that's really a, oh. just di- like okay, well obviously this is the one to get like it just completely made the previous oh, one. Okay, I know. I already have it. Okay. I already have it. It is the Neo Geo CDZ because of its 2x speed or something. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have one of those here. And uh, the difference between that and an original Neo Geo CD is so significant. Twice as fast. I mean, the drive is still limited in some ways. Uh, so, But on a CDZ, most games load about the same as you might have on the Saturn or PlayStation game, like mm-hmm. a similar 2D game, which is to say not really distracting at all. Whereas on a regular Neo Geo CD, I mean, you you literally do wait like over a minute sometimes for a single loading screen. Yeah. Uh, It's terrible. It's really bad. It's a shame, though, because the original Neo Geo CD unit was actually a tray-based system instead of a top loader. So it it was a big, bulky unit with like a big tray. It looked like like an original Xbox. Like it's that size. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, But unfortunately, it's not great to actually use it. No, I feel like anything with an automatic like tray, like a disc tray or something like that is, you know, again, really cool at the time, like original PS2 or, or something like that, but, um, or even like the original Sega CD. Um, but just one more component that could potentially fail, like those gears and those, like, well, you recently ran into this replacing the, again, this is a, like a common project, but it's not an easy project replacing the uh, drive belts in your it was a, it was a Famicom Twin, right? A Sharp. Oh yeah, the Sharp Famicom Twin project. Yeah, how did that, that go? Was, oh, that was an interesting one. Um, <laughs> actually, I kind of mentioned that uh, I did. I don't know if you saw it, but I did a video recently on the, I did the Famicom Disk System, and yeah. um, that was sort of started off by that Twin Famicom, which I got for very cheap. It was like twenty three bucks. Oh wow! Okay, uh, but it was in need of repair for sure. Uh, so I had to. I think I mentioned in there. Obviously, the disc drive itself was not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing was absolutely filthy. I had to replace the pads on the controllers, like the actual like underneath the buttons. Oh wow! Uh, the little rubber pads were all like in bad shape and torn, so I had to get new ones to change that. Is that easy to, re- to get? Is there like a good uh, enough market? It was for me. It okay. was for me. I, uh, th- there's a local guy here in Germany who's a good friend of mine. Who's uh, he has a massive workshop of retro gaming goodness. So, That's rad, including tons of spare parts. So he was able to help me there. 
And then lastly, I had to resolder all the AV connections and everything on the mother uh, on the little power board actually because they were all super loose, yeah. and so the video would cut in and out. But after repairing all of that, it now works flawlessly. Does it still so. give you like? Um, I remember on my um, Famicom Twin had that like like buzzing noise, like that hum from the the audio out. Is that just like hardware specific, or was that like potentially just the solder points were deteriorating? I don't know because uh, this one is actually quite no issues with that. The sound is good. Awesome. Uh, everything everything works great on it. It's a great it's a it's a great system. It's a really fun system to to play around with, and um, I, I still think like one of the coolest things. And if you haven't seen it, like I tweeted a picture about it. It was actually wa- after watching your video is when I tweeted about it. Was the you had a uh, a promo video of the Famicom disc writer that would be in shops in japan yes that's right like how cool is that like if if you were a kid like imagine you know if you're in the states or in europe and like you could bring in like i don't know like i i guess we we probably would have i mean rewritable carts would have been super expensive like rewritable um like rom chips for like if you could bring it into a Toys R Us or something, instead of buying, like spending $50 on Mega Man, if you could bring in your cart and just delete whatever game that was on there before and then put on Mega Man and instead and, and spend like 30 bucks or 25 bucks. Like it was usually like half as much to get these disc system games because you could just like use the same disc, play through a game, beat it, then bring that disc back into like a shop or like a 7-Eleven and just still and these were still around like into the the like early 90s like 94 95 like these things were still in shops where you could rewrite those discs and then i guess they also did it for the super famicom as well they had the same kind of setup yeah that's right uh that that was quite a thing and it's interesting how it does seem like thing a thing that would only work in a smaller market like that yeah we're trying to do that in the U.S., with the sheer size <laughs> of uh, uh, the potential consumer base and the things that could go wrong, how many machines you would just need to oh, spread man. them out throughout the country to make it viable for that? It, I mean, it, it just makes me wish that I was born in Tokyo in 1986 instead of you know Massachusetts because it it would have been so much cooler to have experienced all that stuff, and then we could have been playing like you know Zelda on the Satellaview. That would have been cool too. Yeah, at the same time, what's interesting about those, thinking back, is that uh, a lot of that stuff is very fleeting. Yeah. Uh, it's not something you can return to now, so not easily anyway. I mean, there's a lot of Famicom discs out there still Yeah, uh, that have, you know, and the same with the Game Boy carts and all those like that have that were written from the store that you can still use. Right. But it's not quite the same, you know. It, it's bizarre to think about that whole thing, but... I guess it's kind of just been replaced with the digital download market, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so. for sure. I mean, I, I just wish you could. The only thing, uh, you know, I, I, I've i definitely given in a little bit to, like, I have, I think I have, like, a full, I think, $175 on my Switch, like, eShop account just because whenever, like, the credit goes on sale, I'm like, oh, I might as well buy it now because it's, eShop cards are 15% off and I'm sure I'll eventually buy something. And I still have my PS4 Pro. So got my Xbox One, but definitely from just 
how busy and how physically drained I've been this summer. Most of my gaming has been playing, you know, I, we, people say it too much. People <laughs> say it all the time, but more than ever, I totally understand, especially with people with like, you know, busy travel schedules and, and families and like stuff going on all the time where like, I basically only, the only thing I've really played is my switch all summer, except for like my weekly meetups with my, my best friend who lives in Florida. Like we still play PUBG on Xbox. <laughs> like it's not the best hey, experience, you know, but still it's, it's, it's like, all right, well, we could call and call each other up and talk on the phone, or we could jump on Xbox Live, and then we could, you know, try to, in a duo match, like, try to beat these people that are clearly way better than us and have more time to play this game than we do. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, I, I've, I've kind of given in just to the somewhat, um, I guess, the, the, the somewhat, like, just ease of, of use and just the fact that having something on your system does have its, its its pros but there's it does it does truly but it, it's not stopping me from like you know i have a bunch of games pre-ordered that will be showing up as physical games because it's still nice when i think a good like example is like young blood where some people liked it but some people really didn't and some people yeah. felt like they got burned buying it digitally and pre- like you should never pre-order a game digitally unless it's like oh no way absolutely not I, I still don't get why folks would would do that the only thing i've ever done that is mario maker 2 but i knew exactly what that was um and that's, that's like, actually mario maker 2 is a, a fun thing because uh i bought that when it came out specifically for my son to play oh that's uh, awesome and he has grown massively into it uh, <laughs> is he, he designing he, too oh heck yeah He's pretty much completed most of the story mode thing. Some tough levels in that. And then um, has been building all kinds of maps. And he's like getting excited and just discovering all this on his own. Is he he, he sharing yet? Um, Not online yet. So, but he he was just asking me today, like, hey, dad, what's this Nintendo account? Can I use that? Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's so cool. And that's like. Again, that's a game where I made the choice to buy it digitally with that like Nintendo voucher thing, and the other I'm saving that other voucher for Dragon Quest Eleven because that's sure. going to take me a long time oh, to play. A, that's a good game. Yeah, I'm very excited. I waited. I didn't. I I bought it on PS4 and I returned it because I'm like, I I just I they announced the Switch version already, and it's for 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 rpgs like i still i know the persona 5 switch did not necessarily come to <laughs> come to fruition like uh i was told it might but i wouldn't give up hope on that just just yet i think this this yeah. switch is turning into a hell of a japanese rpg machine it's like it's kind of insane with what is coming up just in september like ninu kuni is coming out for it um yeah, and it's a really good uh, system for that because of the, I mean, beyond just the portable nature. I mean, everything has sort of sleep mode these days, but especially for a portable system, yeah. being able to just stop at any point and then pick it up, pick it up at any point is great for those RPGs because they those can be hard to get through. Totally. Especially the old style ones just because of, uh, well, save points and it takes a long time where this is just, uh, it's so convenient. Yeah, my my next game, and this is again, I this is a game I would like to do for, uh, for the show at some point. But I didn't, I didn't buy it digitally because I wanted to make sure I absolutely wanted to keep it. Uh, which is the, uh, 
the Mana Collection, which finally, oh yeah, made it over. And that's like another one of those things where, oh man, like I wish I had time. I'm dying to talk about this. Like, how cool is it that you know Square Enix went through the trouble to translate a an RPG from 25 years ago or, or 20, what was it, 23 years ago or something like that with uh, Seiken Densetsu 3. Like, how cool is that? Like, we, we're, we're that like, took me by surprise, big time. Is that like, in, in just like, the, the, the possibilities, and then it's still where I think Square Enix tends to do a really poor job with re-releasing their old, like these this incredible library of Japanese RPGs and, and just old library that should more regularly be packaged up and, you know, put into collections like this, like how cool, like how much I, you know, how much money I would spend for just get M2, like, M, and that's again, great sign M2 did the collection. Um, just let M2 use that same emulator package or whatever they have and just give me Final Fantasy four or Final Fantasy two slash four. Give me, and and do the same thing. The second Densetsu three for Final Fantasy five. Translate oh, that for yeah. the states. Like I know they already did it. It's out on the Game Boy Advance. Like, yeah, sure, absolutely. But but you know, and you know this. Like you're crazy, like me. Like people just say play Final Fantasy, you know, five and six on the Game Boy Advance. And I will say one, I don't have a Game Boy Advance. Uh, two, the you know, again, the mute, the, the, the knowing that I'm not going to have good music production on that hardware, which is, it, it would sour the experience. Yeah, for me. It really doesn't sound great. GBA for, for a lot of the SNES games. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it, like, what a, what, what a bummer. Like, what, like, it, I just, I just, I wish I could have been in that meeting where they're like, yeah, the first thing that we're going to put out on this thing is basically, Super Mario Brothers 2, but the Super Mario All-Stars version of it, like we're going to be able to pretty much get close to what is capable on a Super Nintendo, even though I remember it was heavily advertised as a 32-bit system. It is, but it is, it, it, uh, you know, the fact that you could basically have a portable Super Nintendo should have been all you needed to tell people. Um, but then when, when there was severe issues, like Castlevania was like the perf- perfect example of like, Without a backlight, like this is kind of a bummer. Um, but also not having, I mean, clearly, I, I my only guess is that they didn't want to necessarily give Sony the same kind of deal that they did for the chips that they had for, or they couldn't reproduce it in a small enough form factor for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite? So, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! I was. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm obviously again. See, I'm. I have a lot of this bottled up. I haven't had anyone to, like I, my buddy Eric, who lives locally. Like he's my <laughs> guy. Who like we, he comes over. We play Windjammers. We play like you know a bunch of things. And then like we played like last week. We played. He really for some reason has a soft spot for um uh for oh my god why am I blanking on the name the. There was three of them. It was for the original Sega Genesis, and um, it was not Streets of Rage, but the Golden X. That was one Golden thing. X. Yeah, Golden X three. He's like, dude, I really want to play Golden X three. I so. love Golden X three. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. I think or maybe it, it was Golden X two that we were playing. Was that the Golden bad X3, one? Three. No, Golden X three got a bad reputation at the time. But okay, you actually, go go back to it now. Um, is it just like Streets of Rage 3 where you just like 
I maybe the th- so the thing about three I noticed is that the soundtrack is really good. Like it's significantly better than all the earlier ones. I, I would think. agree with that. Um, also, the sprite work is hugely improved. Uh, they look really awkward in the first two games in Genesis. When you look at them now, uh, they just look better. I mm-hmm. think in three they're kind of beefier and has nicer looking frames of animation. Even if it's not a ton of frames, I still think it looks it looks nicer overall. And some of the stages look really good with uh, a lot more parallax scrolling and line scrolling and just more special effects. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Some stages do appear rather dark and grainy and that's not cool. But at the same time, I mean, Golden Axe 1 and 2 really don't look very good <laughs> on Genesis. Now, obviously, um, the arcade sequel, uh, Return of Axe Bat, what is it? Yeah. But there was the arcade game before Golden Axe 3, and that was significantly better looking than all of them. And I think some people maybe were hoping they would bring that home, and they uh, didn't. I guess. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird one, and I actually avoided it for a long time uh, just based on the bad reputation it had. But I really gave it a shot this year, and I was like, huh, this is a lot better than I thought. Well. um let's let's do this so right now um we're gonna give you guys a good a good i I mean john do you have like 30 more minutes uh we can maybe get there maybe 20 maybe 20 okay so let's do this what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break because one of the best parts of doing this show is that i get to put in a bunch of retro game music and i'm gonna it's probably gonna be from cadence of hyrule which i know is not retro game music but um Damn, that soundtrack kicks ass. So, oh, it's so good. Uh, that will get you fired up. We're going to take a quick break, and I think we might have someone else joining us in just a moment. So maybe the party will be getting a little bigger. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and we're, uh, again, party got a little bit bigger. We got Greg Stewart from the Player One podcast joining us just randomly. Greg, how are you? Good, thanks. Thank- I'm glad I'm back. It's been a long time. Yeah, remember we used to talk about old video games on the show. I love it. And, and video <laughs> games, are they, they just get older, which is kind of cool. I was, was going to say, the nice thing about talking about old video games is that the subject matter just keeps growing and growing and growing. It does. Like I was thinking, maybe we can talk about Bayonetta soon uh yeah sure (laughs) well um so greg is joining john and myself and it was just as you know obviously before we went into the break we were talking about some golden axe some golden axe two and three and yes it's a really good transition into uh the sega genesis mini after many many attempts uh a couple of that we've talked about on this show i think it was like I forget what the company's name. I think it might have been like Retro Bit or something 
uh, like that, where Sega would license out their library and their... I think it was At Games, wasn't it? At Games, yeah. there you go. At Games yeah. was the one. Yep. Sorry, yeah. Retrobit. That was probably... Yeah, we don't want to... You don't want to saddle anybody with that reputation if they don't deserve it. <laughs> very, very true. Um, but no, those previous iterations that you could find on your shelves at Target in Walmart and at your local gas station uh, were not necessarily up to par. You could tell right from the controllers. The controllers were not very good. And now Sega saw what Nintendo did and, and thought, you know, first we're going to announce it and we're going to say that At Games is doing it. Then we're going to see the reaction from people. And everyone was not very happy. Uh, to put it lightly. So they said, hey, we know those guys at M2. They seem to do a pretty good job with most of the stuff. Hell, we even had them do all of our 3DS 3D collections and they hit it out of the park. Let's see what they can do with a little bit of budget, about a year and a half. And uh, they've put together the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive Mini, which I'm sure Greg, you've talked about on the Player One podcast about as it was, you know, the game list were, were coming out. But uh in the end, we're going to be able to get, uh, I think it's about 40 games with yeah, two controllers, a- three buttons here in the States, six buttons in uh, Japan, which I ordered, pre-ordered both. Thanks, Amazon Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because you need those controllers, but you'll also be able to buy those controllers separately, the six-button ones here in the States, thanks to, um, maybe it is RetroBit that's doing that. So, uh, real real yeah. So real quick on that though, actually, yeah. Thinking about it, I do kind of feel like the three button controller inclusion is not not a bad idea in the sense that I agree. I think that's like the nostalgia point for a lot of people. Yeah, because the six button pad came a bit later. Nobody I mean, had I six button. I pad. didn't have one back in the day, and it's just like you remember holding the three button pad, and it it's decidedly different. So. It's like, okay, I kind of get why Batman you might I don't that. know. First of all, you guys are weird for not owning six-button pad back Oh, in the sorry. Day. Well, I played, Street, I played the good Street Fighter. I had a Super <laughs> Did, Nintendo, no, so I played no, the no, good no, no, version no, no, of Street no. Fighter. Street Fighter. It wasn't Street Fighter. That, I mean, for me, it was Street Fighter because, you know, I wanted <laughs> I a more authentic arcade experience. But, right. but no, the, the six-button controller, like, did you not play Mortal Kombat? On the you Super Nintendo, the better version. What? Mortal Kombat 2. I didn't play Mortal Kombat 1. I can suffer through one, but Mortal Kombat two was better on the Super Nintendo. I don't disagree with that. Well, I will say that when I played fighting games, it was typically at a friend's house who just happened to own about everything, and he had two six button pads. He had the Sega CD, uh, all a good that friend. stuff, and it was just like you know, it was beyond. Even at the Sega Channel, were we were what? we friends? I don't. <laughs> um, but I agree Whoa, with you. Your friend I, had I the Sega Channel. Did have I, the I, Sega I, Channel? Yeah, and you had it too. No, I didn't actually. Oh man, it wasn't was available in Canada. I don't think. Oh right, right. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, I think like that's a really great point. I, it's weird because just just before you started saying that, I'm sitting there thinking like, and I've said this before on our show where it's like it seems like such a needless miss on a product where they did everything right. You know, like the the they got M2 to do the the games. The game list is, I mean, you know, you well, can true, you can argue for or against different games, yeah. but it's just like, what the heck are they just including a three button controller for? But I think you're absolutely right in that it's a nostalgia move that makes sense. Yeah. It's along the same lines of including Altered Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody, exactly. Nobody's going to buy the thing for Altered Beast. No. Well, let's but talk about. If you have um, nostalgia for the Genesis, you have nostalgia for Altered Beast. Yeah. Let's, let's, you I mean, you mentioned the game list, and, and I probably should have started at the top. I'm not going to name all the games because the, you know, 
Sonic the Hedgehog is is on there. You know, Streets of Rage Two is is on there. But what is great is that they also were able to pull off the licensing deals to get games like Castlevania Bloodlines, which mm-hmm. is like it's it's like that's my 16-bit Castlevania. I am a much bigger fan of that than Super Super Castlevania. They also got uh, the Mickey Mouse games, Castle Castle of Illusion and World of Illusion. They got Thunder great Force stuff. friggin' Three. All right, like just. All you got to do Sega, Sega owns Thunder Force 3. I know, but I'm just saying like yeah. games that like you don't always get to see releases of and stuff like that. Like, you know, these are these are games that they got contra hardcore. Like this is a game that you need to have. Yep. They got Mega Man the Wily Wars. They're bringing that that was mm-hmm. a European and 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 Japanese only release. I just bought a copy of that too, actually. Thank you yeah, for doing that because that's probably what got them like, oh, now that John's bought it, we can get it to everyone for relatively <laughs> cheap. Um, I feel like that happens sometimes with stuff. Um they even got uh, uh, Els- uh, Elysia Drag uh, Dragoon. Elysia like, Dragoon. Elysia Dragoon. Yeah, yeah. Game. Monster Game World Arts. 4. Yeah. Game Arts. Like yeah. Light Crusader. Oh, man. Dynamite I just Heady. finished Monster World 4. I played through for the first time yeah. in its completion this year. I just I finally got a copy earlier, earlier in the year, and I just sat down and played all the way through it in like about a week. And if I was able to pick a retro game of the year so far, it might be that one. Right. Well, okay. It's really good. So the the thing is the the point that I'm trying to make is like they <laughs> hit it out of Fantasy Star Four, Wonder Boy, and Monster World. They did get a Tetris on there. They got uh, Darius on there. They got Strider on there. They do have well, Street Fighter. D- sorry, go ahead. Darius or Darius is however that's you a say new game, it. isn't it? That's a new game because yeah. that's the original game which didn't exist. Oh. Darius Two was on uh, the Genesis or mega drive already yeah i think yeah, yeah. this that was, was a japanese only release version right? yeah i have that as well and it's a good conversion and i think although it's a little dark but uh porting the original is a little bit odd to me i mean it's cool but i don't think it's as solid of a game as the sequel so but at the same time it's kind of like a port that didn't exist before so i'm yeah. curious to compare that to like the pc engine a CD version like so, Super Darius or something. Do you think that that has to do with the fact that because and and I didn't know this until recently watching the the um, My Life in Gaming uh, documentary on M2, where they're pretty hardcore into the whole idea of the arcade shooter. Yeah, right. So do, you, do you think that's kind of where that probably came from? Because uh, otherwise, it is it. an odd choice. I, I'm almost positive that's where it comes from. Yeah. They probably just wanted to do something cool like that, and it is cool. So. It's neat that it's there, and I'm impressed that that they were able to pull it off. And uh, at E3, when I was playing this, we had one of the I can't even remember his name right now, but a really nice guy. It's been with Sega since like the '80s. Uh, and once we actually started talking to him about this stuff, he he is so passionate about the Mega Drive, and they tried to get so many other games for this too uh, that just couldn't happen due to licensing reasons. Like he really wanted to get. Um, uh, Battle Mania Daiginjo on here, which is a really excellent game that's rather expensive. <laughs> but uh, Vic Tokai uh, is like a it's like a holdings <sighs> company that owns the brand now. Yeah, they wanted to get that and maybe Time Dominator first, or I guess it's like uh, what do they call it in the U.S. Socket. Oh Th- yeah, those socket. games. They're basically locked to behind this company now. So it's like they tried, but mm-hmm. they weren't able to make it happen, and that's kind of. That's the thing I guess you got to think about with these game lists is they looks like they got a lot of amazing stuff, but it sounds like they wanted to go even further and they just couldn't actually pull it off just due to weird licensing issues with old games. Though the Tetris one is insane. 
that they got that on there. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it it just the way when when I look at this, um, when I look at this list of games, and I look at like this is my Sega Genesis. Like this is a, like most of these games. Like if I still had a physical library of Sega Genesis stuff. Like most of these games would be in here. They're that important. Like Ghouls and Ghosts, like one of my oh yeah, my retro gaming achievements. Oh, it's one of the was first playing through hits. Ghouls and Ghosts. And then again, you beat it's 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 one of those games that be, when you beat the game, you actually didn't beat the game. It's like actually no, you got to play through this a second time um, to get the real ending. So I sat there on a Saturday, and it took me like a week to do it. But like on a Saturday, I basically played Ghouls and Ghosts, which again, I think if we're look comparing. Like the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, I think is the superior Ghouls and Ghosts experience is on oh, the Genesis. Agree. Like, there's no doubt, up, and, and it runs really well. Yeah, it and does. I think I think further to that, it goes back to the the, the, the wonderful uh, choices that they did make on the library. It's like you know they needed to include the staples, obviously. Of course, yeah. But yeah, it naturally. would have been so easy for them and so predictable for not just Sega but any company. Because I mean, they've been re-releasing their their classics for years now, and it would have been so easy and predictable for them to just release the exact same things on the miniature console and call it a day, right? And and they wouldn't have been wrong to do it. So it's so great that they're actually we've got those deep cuts in there. But like Ghouls and Ghosts is another great example. I think for a lot of people of uh, our generation, I don't, I don't, I think you guys are around the same age as me, um, like thirty seven. So <laughs> yeah, so we're close to the same generation. I know we're in the yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> I know Kevin. I know Kevin's a baby, but um, <laughs> but anyway, no, like Ghouls and Ghosts. I don't think of that as a Capcom, but like you know, thirteen year old me doesn't think of that as a Capcom game. Yeah, it's yes. a Genesis game. Exactly. Yeah. Genesis game. Exactly. So you know, it's great that it's on there. And it was actually good for uh, arguments back in the day because when the Super NES game comes out and it's running with all that slowdown at the time, you were it was easy to point and be like, yep, slow yeah. system, man. Exactly. <laughs> Need some blast about, processing. Uh, Greg probably knows this stuff, but the whole Tetris story. Are you familiar with that, Kevin? No. How that version of Tetris <laughs> from Mega Drive was basically kind of like – it kind of was releasing right when Nintendo was securing the rights, so it oh. yeah, kind of got pulled right away. So it's very, very, very rare. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's a game that typically sells in the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, there's find it. Very, very few copies in the wild. Yeah. So the so fact that it they... showed up on—not that this would devalue that in any way—but it's so fascinating that they were able to get it back on here again. And apparently, even that was difficult. Because they had to go through the Tetris company and yep. essentially wow. approve a non-standard version of Tetris that didn't follow the current Tetris rules, uh, which was not easy. But they managed to pull it off, and it's on there. So most people will look at this and just think, oh, it's Tetris, whatever. But the actual – like the fact that that exists on here at all is kind of insane. I I again the only thing I could probably wish that was on here is is maybe Polestar. Um, it's kind of like the only like – Deep cut. Polestar or Rystar? Um, wait, am I uh, Polestar is the Neo Pulse Geo Man. game? I'm thinking. Oh, sorry, Pulse Man. Pulse yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, about yeah. Pulse Man and Rystar. Put it, or Restar. Put them both on there. Yeah, but yeah, right? so, I mean, you, you could easily go through, and if you really sat down with a list of Genesis and Mega Drive games, you could easily find a bunch of games that you would love to see on there as well. But I mean, you know, yeah. it's at the end of the day, you've got to make some choices, and I think they did a really good job it, balancing it out. And, it, and if when this comes out, and as long as everything runs like it should. Um, mm. I think this puts the Super Nintendo Mini to shame. I think it makes that thing look yeah. like a like an absolute joke. Um, 
Because like, in, uh, I wouldn't. Not, well, not really unless fair. you mod it, 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 like, it just it, makes it, the library look stingy. That's, yeah, that's it, looks, really it makes it look exactly. super stingy. Like twenty one games, and like, yeah, it's yeah. cool that we got Star Fox two with that. But when I'm thinking where I can play M two versions of all of these games in a small box, like I would have easily paid a hundred dollars for this thing. Um, let alone eighty. I think eighty bucks is an insane deal. Greg, you're right. They have the games that like. The cat, like the folks that just like casually grew up, like they got Road Rash. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they have Street Fighter. They have um, hell, even in Eternal Champions as a game that I owned. I I, I really love. They have what, dude, one of my absolute favorite games for the system of all time, Dynamite Heady. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a game that a lot of people bounced off of, but man, is it good! <laughs> you you made uh, what? What the hell was I watching? Where I think you were you were talking about Dynamite Heady, like saying like that is you you now put that over. Um, you oh, know, on, on Twitter, whatever. Like Gunstar Heroes. I was, I was playing. I finished Gunstar Heroes again this week, and somebody commented, and I was commented, "Oh, it's not as good as Heady, but it's still great." And uh, and then we're like, just what? so unique. Yeah, it really is. You're gonna get me to it, play that game. Now, what's interesting, so at E3 test, I had like an hour with the Mega Drive Mini or the Genesis Mini, and they were showing off all the little features, like the fact that if you switch the language on the system, it shows the different box arts yeah, that's based so on cool. region. And that also means if you switch to, say, Japan region, and you play the Japanese version of the game, you actually get that version. So a lot of these are different. So like Dynamite Heady, the Japanese version, is uh, has a lot of story elements in it. it. It's not as difficult. Some parts are less randomized mm-hmm. uh, compared to the U.S. version, and they're both on here. And there's other games like that as well. But I think that that too is interesting because they went the extra mile to ensure that you actually get all the different region versions of the game on the sim- single console. Yeah, and that and that is something that I think a lot of people can will get to uh, experience, and 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 it'll be new for them because I mean I'm I've been playing through the Castlevania Anniversary Collection uh, oh, yeah. recently, and I mean that was the same thing. Everyone made a big deal about the uh, the Japanese versions of the game being added in a patch, and of course, the, when you ask people why they're excited, a lot of people would point to castlevania 3 yeah. just because of the music, music. right the diff- which was amazing but and the difficulty. other thing that a lot of people that's exactly the other thing that a lot of people weren't talking about is that it's actually easier yeah the japanese yeah. version is easier it was that's how the, i played it through it for the up. show yeah me too because <laughs> i couldn't I, I got to death on the, the english version and i couldn't get any further so but you know the japanese one is able to finish the game let me so, let me ask you this so uh john again you get you got an hour with it at e3 so i know like you don't necessarily bring any any like hardware to like you know check for um you know how well the games are running and and authenticity and, and stuff like that um of the experience but i remember that you did a post e3 video talking about um what your your thoughts were i was just wondering if you could summarize for with folks if you haven't already you should go watch the video on on digital founders youtube channel um but i was just kind of curious like Overall, in an hour going through those games, like, do you feel pretty good about this? Yeah, for sure. So uh, from what I remember, at least, um, I mean, all the games definitely seem to run correctly. I didn't really get a chance to listen closely to the sound. We had the volume down. That's always the tough part, right? That's that's the the tricky part. So I'm very curious to see how it sounds. They also had it set up on a very leggy TV. Oh, really? uh, with like mo- with like motion smoothing and everything turned on uh, so i actually plugged it into my capture unit to show them like hey this is actually what it should be like and the latency seemed a lot better there awesome. versus that the tv i got stuck playing it on so 
but the actual like the UI is is great. I love things like the spine view. Yes. Uh, rather than just showing the boxes, you can actually flip it and you get the spine. They went to the crazy lengths on the detail, like stuff like uh, Super Fantasy Zone, which is it comes in a little su- small Sunsoft case. They actually render that in a small case. Or uh, Road Rash 2. In Japan, all the EA games shipped in these extra fat cases. And it's there too. So, wow. like, just that's little details really like that. That's really cool. Right? Like, that's yeah, so yeah. cool. Because you're right, because Lady A, even in North America, um, at least up in Canada, but I think it was in the US too, that yeah, Lady yeah. A games were in wider cases. Exactly. And yeah, they yeah. actually cool. took the time to put that in there. So it's so rare where you feel like they did everything that I would want them to do. Like so often we get, you know, games that are re-released and you feel like, you know, they just kind of did the bare minimum. They just did what they needed to do yeah. to get it out the door. And even I know that was feedback that the the Mana collection got is that, the, yeah, they basically just like put it in a in a wrapper and there's, you know, you can listen to the music in the menu, uh, which, of course, they trans- we, we talked about this previously before you got on, Greg. They translated second to Insistry 3, which is awesome. But um, it, it is just always... It, it it means a lot more to me as someone that appreciate appreciates this stuff, and I know it does to you guys and the audience as well. When you feel like you almost like feel like you were heard, you know. Well, it, yeah. it feels like it's being made by people who are as passionate about it as you are. Yeah, and and we've we've seen the other end of that. I mean, talking about Sega in particular, like who remembers the Sega Smash Pack on the Dreamcast? Oh God, it was god awful. Oh. I mean, and that was it was that's exactly what it was. It's like we got the ROMs working, push it out the door. I mean, for anyone who hasn't experience that head on youtube and just check it out because you will be flabbergasted at the the level of quality that they let did have virtual cop on it right it did but i mean things that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't even a good port that was like a windows it was like a pc it was a pc port right yeah the audio the audio on the audio on some of those games too it's not just like slightly off i mean it's un unlistenable it's terrible it's so bad (laughs) oh man um well, John, do you have do you have five minutes to go over the PC sure, engine yes. stuff, and then we'll let you we'll let you run, and and I'll I'll bug Greg about some stuff, and that way people Perfect. can have maybe can not only drive to work but then come home and listen to back of my play. So, um, yeah. you know, following up on the Sega Genesis Mini again, Mini consoles now the the rage now we just got to wait. What is it? T minus um, I think it's four or five months until the Game Boy uh you know yeah. is going to be coming. So. The TurboGrafx Mini uh, was announced a couple months back, and you know eventually we got details where the TurboGrafx uh, 16 uh, will be coming out in North America, and the PC Engine Mini will be coming out in Japan, and the Core Graphics will be coming out in Europe. So they're going to use all three variations of the hardware in terms of that, like that's just the shell. Fascinating to me, by the way, because yeah. the the TurboGrafx 16 was not really released here. Uh, what you find in shops over in Europe here is uh, a lot of unopened TurboGrafx-16 or TurboGrafx, I can't remember how it's branded, but systems. Oh. But they're 50 hertz PAL systems. Oh. But since it wasn't officially on the market, there's really no games for it. So all you can wow. do with it is essentially modify it to work with you know US or Japanese games, as far as I've seen. I don't actually have one of the European spec models, but it's basically just like a 50 hertz PAL version of the system with no games. Wow. Um, and yep. I, I mean, another interesting thing about this is that, uh, where, you know, we didn't go over the mega drive mini, but the, you know, usually like with the, the super Nintendo and the super Famicom and the NES and the Famicom, like, you know, different regions got different game lists. Like they would be 
you know, 90% yeah. the same, but there would be a couple of variations like um, a Japanese RPG that never came to the States, like that wasn't translated. You wouldn't want to put that out on a console coming out in the US. But um, you know what? Sometimes like, I think Konami is actually putting this together, right? Isn't it Konami like leading this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they own, the they own, they own it. Stuff okay. Now. Exactly. So, uh, they were like, you know what? Hey, at least we're doing this. We're just going to put out a list of games and we're going to bring out everything everywhere. And that dude, and like, <laughs> went nuts. I, and they totally, they totally went nuts. They basically said like, all right, well, I'm guessing they found like the smallest, like amount of storage that they could put on this thing. And they're like, wait, okay, this barely fills up like 5% of it because this, you know, chips are so cheap, but, um, you know, they ended up putting together not only games that came out in those regions, but basically, you know, said, Hey, even if the game's completely in Japanese, we're going to put it out everywhere as well, which if you kind of, if, if you look at it, um, you know, just from a, you know, standpoint of, yeah, a lot like Bomberman 94 don't need to know Japanese to play that game. Um, nope. Even Dragon they put Spirit Snatcher on there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's where it becomes a little bit of like, all right, well, it's a little bit of head scratcher. They're putting Snatcher on it, which is only going to be in Japanese. But you know, I would guess from a modding community, you might actually pretty quickly see that. All right, we'll just hook this thing up to your PC, and we can get you the English patch version of Snatcher um, on there. But like, what I was really impressed with is that it has a kick-ass lineup of games of not just TurboGrafx and PC Engine games, but TurboGrafx and PC Engine CD games. That means Lords of Thunder is going to be on this. <laughs> well, Kevin, it goes one step further than that. It has games like Aldiness or Aldines or whatever. All, yeah. That's that's super graphics. Oh, Daimakai Mura. One of uh, the six also... super graphics games. Yeah, so they let's see, they got two super graphics games, possibly more. I need to look over the whole list again, but I mean, they they they've put it all on here. It's kind of nuts. And you got you got PC Genjin. Um, you got uh, oh well, actually, that's um, isn't that Bonk? That is Bonk. Yeah, um, I, I'm very one of my favorite games on there. Actually, is the port of Gradius Two. Yeah, uh, Go Gofu no Yabo. Isn't it like that's a perfect a, port. Not it's close. It's, it's not close. perfect, but I think even um, uh, Igarashi worked on this port even before oh, yeah. um, doing Dracula X. Huh, so no it, but it's it's a really good port. It uses CD audio, but it's just the arcade soundtrack. So as a result, it ends up kind of feeling a lot like the real thing. It's really cool. Oh, it does have Ninja Gaiden on this. Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, that, that's the one with the super weird scrolling, though. Yes, I know. It's it, but again, <laughs> just from like so the the only thing. Okay, there's two there's two things. One only real disappointment I have in this is there's no Jackie Chan's action kung fu. Uh, that would be pretty great. That I love. One of the yeah, like, best that. game soundtracks too. Like that soundtrack is so happy as just like kicking these snakes and snails and stuff. Um, and also the. The other one is probably just like the weird Sega games, like the the version of Outrun, um, oh, yeah. that that came out on uh, the the PC Engine in yep. in Japan. Like I just saw and 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 Street Fighter, like the Street Fighter Two on oh, yeah. the PC well, Engine. That would have been cool to see, but then you'd have to you have a controller issue at that point. Yeah, sure, so, sure but sure, but, have you, but Kevin, have you have you played that Street Fighter game? With I have. The original I bought PC a brand Engine new. Fan? I bought a brand new copy of. Wait, I I, I don't. Uh, I bought a brand new copy of Street Fighter Two Champion Edition. Oh, in, when I was excellent. like in Japan on Amazon, like 
Like Whoa. they still had sealed copies for like twenty bucks. It was so. You, so you did play it on real hardware. With, yes, with the two button pad, and it runs and it's great. Oh yeah, well, it's like well, I got you a six button like pad too. Start, oh, so you got to use like the start button and then the one and two just buttons like, for just, like, that's and then you have to like, select Genesis? or whatever to to toggle between punches and kicks. Yeah, just like just on the <laughs> Genesis Mini. It kind of works. <laughs> it it hey, and it was just it was just one of those things where it was like cool because it was like on the NES where we had these carts that then eventually Nintendo had like MMC chips, you know, where you could just get a little bit more performance. Like you don't, you almost like put extra hardware in uh, the chip itself where that's what they did with Street Fighter, right? They had a little bit extra like hardware in it's the like memory, card. Perhaps I, I need to double check that, but yeah, it's a thicker hue card. But yeah. Right. So like, and, and it was just, it's, it's just one of those technical curiosities that, I thought it was super cool. And you will be like, holy sh- like crap, this is running on a PC engine. Like it runs really good. It sounds great. Like look up a video of, you know, Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition on uh our champion edition on uh YouTube. Like it's it's really impressive. It so. is, it is indeed. But yeah, that that's uh I think the PC engine mini is cool, or the TurboGrafx 16 mini is cool in the sense that I think anybody over here in the Western world that was into that system is probably into uh, importing games. Yeah. So it kind of, to me, it like, it makes a lot of sense to just load it up with stuff from wherever. Right. Uh, blazing lasers, dude. Oh, I can't wait. Gunhead. <laughs> Gunhead. So yeah. Um, I, I think it's, but yeah, I think it's interesting too because you're, you're looking at such a, where we've talked about the Super Nintendo Mini, the Genesis Mini, and the, the TurboGrafx Mini now. It's like looking at the the libraries and through the lens of like for the super nintendo it was stingy on games also i think they had a bit of a problem not problem but they were limited to what they could do in in, in some ways because that system was super popular in sure. most regions right the genesis super popular in the us so they had to make sure yep. they served that audience the turbo is the complete opposite issue right i mean yep. it wasn't super popular here so i i love the idea that they sort of shotgunned it completely and yeah. just said like let everybody have everything and it, it won't hurt us in any way because th- there's not enough nostalgia linked to enough games in each region exactly. that, that you have to specialize it. And I, 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 before people let me know, I was remiss. They actually do have on the, the TurboGrafx and PC Engine Mini, they do have Space Harrier. So they did actually get a Sega right. game on there. Um, but I just it's think not that... the right one. Yeah, I think outrun outrun again. It's it's I my my favorite thing about the and, PC and Android, fantasy zone fantasy zones on there. Oh yeah, good oh call. yeah. Right. Um, the my maybe my favorite thing about the PC Engine hardware and graphics hardware is the um sound chips in it. I think it just puts oh, it out sounds so great. It just yeah. puts out like the best. I don't know, like. Oh. Uh, I, I know what you mean. It's so warm and just wonderful yeah, sounding. Yeah, like and and it's not like it's not harsh. Like the Genesis can do good stuff. It just is sometimes sometimes harsh. It's just like it's just like that little bit better than the NES. So not even a little bit better. It's like it's just like in between the NES and the Super Nintendo, where it's yep. just like really really awesome chip tune music. Man, like yeah, the only thing I can point you to is um, if you want to listen to just. If I was going to let's let's put it this way, if I was going to point you to one soundtrack that I would want you to listen to on the the PC engine, it would be um sorry, I'm scrolling through. It well actually uh Dragon Sabers actually. So I have Hugh Card disc in Bandai Namco. Uh, it's a couple of disc soundtrack which is 
really good. You can you can look up. It's also got Final Blaster on there too, which is which is very good. Okay, um, my 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 take though, if you really want to hear this PC Engine sound chip sing, listen to the soundtrack for Sunsoft's Batman. Sunsoft's Batman. Really? Sunsoft is pumping out such great music around that. Yeah, time I mean the the PC Engine version of Batman isn't the best. It's kind of a weird overhead maze game where Batman picks up trash. But the actual soundtrack is so good. It's it's among Sunsoft's best from that era. It sounds it has a couple remixes from the NES game, but a lot of original tracks as well. But it's really good. Um, but but I was gonna say, sorry, I couldn't remember the name of the game for a second as we are recording for two hours or an hour and a half. I'm getting tired. Uh, Magical Chase, Magical Chase. Oh yeah, is the mm. game is the soundtrack you need to listen to. It is. Uh, top 10 video game soundtrack of all time magical chase you can listen to it without ever playing the game and you will still really appreciate it it's just like i will make sure i put some magical chase music in this this episode just so you know know, we didn't mention one of the most important ones and that's choaniki (laughs) it's on there just saying (laughs) choaniki yeah for for you know again if just from a from a, a fitness standpoint, um, Choniki, oh, yeah. just a oh, physical dude. fitness standpoint. <laughs> that is all the way on brand for you, Kevin. That, that is. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> just talk about the the programs those guys must have been on in preparation for their <laughs> for their um, for their physical fitness of um, just lounging out, just being buff. Um, what a, what a game! What a game! Um, well, I think we should. Maybe, maybe actually, you know, I think that's a good point to wrap things up and that, that way we can all kind of go off and enjoy our, our Sundays and I'm getting a little, little tired and I, I appreciate again, everyone's patience with, with the show. I'm so excited to just have this sneak up on everyone. I'm not even going to say anything. It's just <laughs> going to release and you're going to find it in your podcast awesome. feed as a, uh, thank you for staying subscribed to that RSS feed. Um, and it's again, I love doing the show. Hopefully you can tell. It's just, you know, the gym takes my priority and thank God business has been incredibly good this summer, which means I have had no time for anything else. Um, And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share this with the audience. um, And even almost more importantly, to talk with people like John and Greg, who, uh, again, I've been able to build great friendships through this show, even though it's mostly just through Skype. Um, that's, that's totally cool too. And, um, I really appreciate what both of you guys, and that's why it's great to have both of you on for kind of just this hangout, just kind of rev things back up. There's like a warm up episode, which I think actually turned out really well. Um, because you know, John, you are just constantly, um, showing your, your love and appreciation and dedication to, um, this, this medium, both in retro form and, and stuff that's coming out, uh, currently. So, Thank you for for everything that that you do. I don't think folks get to, you know, tell you uh, enough. They can hit the like button, they can subscribe, and all that stuff. And sometimes it's a, a tweet, but um, hopefully that's one thing that comes out from this episode too. Guys, make sure that you follow John on Twitter. Make sure you're following what he's doing um, on YouTube. Like it's 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 super easy to do, and you can make sure that you are um, you know supporting people that you appreciate their content of and john that's dark one x on twitter correct that is correct yeah so so shoot john Thanks a message much. give him a give him a thumbs up uh you know a thank you and make sure you're checking out that digital foundry retro uh series especially it's like this show where you can they're timeless like you can go back and start from the beginning and i like even the episodes like 
John, looking at the the Super Nintendo Classic, I think is really fascinating to to kind of look at how that hardware handles those games, and you get a brief you know look at a bunch of games as as well. And then for Greg, of course, Generation sixteen and the, oh, yeah. the the fifty seven years of the Player One podcast that you guys have been doing. <laughs> I mean, now that you guys can put it out, it is it is episode six hundred sixty six this week, right? It is. Yep. What it's an achievement! Show. You guys made a real big deal about the the you know the sign of the devil. <laughs> yeah, boy, that's uh, I'm going to give my co-hosts all the credit on that because I really do not care about that. <laughs> yeah, it's but, CJ but edits, we did it. you know, <laughs> we he, did it. He he does. I mean, he's just uh, it's actually tonight, probably around the time that this comes out, that should be uh, out as well. So you yep. can see what's going on. It's a, fun, with... it's a fun episode. Yeah, we've recorded it already and it's and yeah, CJ put a ton of time into it. So I think I think people are really going to enjoy it. We had oh, some cool. fun with it. Is John Romero on the show? When is he not? He's okay. always there in spirit. Spirit, exactly. <laughs> Just want to say that's uh, that'd be that'd be a good that would be a good get. Um, it's always it's always crazy when you know that stuff happens. But uh, yeah, thank you guys because again, um, you know this this show is impossible without the guests that are on it too. You guys got to remember that. So it's it's always uh, cool to be able to show people that hey, outside of back of my play, there's other content that you should be supporting. Um, Generation 16, of course, on YouTube, Player One Podcast. Go and check out all that stuff. And it's at S-E-W-A-R-T on Twitter to make sure you stay up to date with what uh, Greg is doing in the world of video games and uh, hockey, I guess. Yeah. Yep. And, and NASCAR, <laughs> right? Uh, not so much. I'm over NASCAR now. It's all okay. Formula One. Yeah. Oh, are you going to uh, get into wrestling maybe? No. AEW, baby. All right. Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to go to at back of my play on Twitter because new episodes should be coming again. We're gonna, I'm going to do my best to make it at a timely manner, but I'm going to aim for about one a month, one a month. And then if there's two awesome, uh, that's but, exciting. Glad to hear it. It is exciting. Excellent. We got some good outlines lined up and potentially some like maybe insane guests. Uh, so it'd be, it'll, it'll be really fun couple months. And, uh, again, thank you for your patience. Uh, and if you want, patreon.com slash back of my play that definitely helps get the episodes made and you only support the show if an episode comes out so it's really cool uh about stuff like that as well thank you guys so much make sure to subscribe to back my plan itunes tell a friend about it it really helps the uh it definitely helps with the energy levels if we have more people listen to the show and just get a good conversation going thanks so much folks have a great weekend and a great start to your week thank you so much for listening to back my play take care <laughs>